I'm Amber. Hi, I'm Charlotte. Hi, I'm Corinne. Hi, I'm Danielle. Hi, I'm Kelly. And together we are Unfiltered, where the her is no longer silent. Unfiltered is the coming together of five neurodivergent women, and together we will be discussing all things neurodiversity autism, ADHD, parenting, being parent carers, inclusion, and how these are led by our experiences of womanhood. All voices are welcome here and we do not discriminate. Our goal is to create a real, inclusive, safe space and community for everyone to be their unfiltered self. This space is all about community and not competition, empowering others through their differences and removing stigma. Whether you are here for yourself or a loved one, you are welcome here. So come and join us in this unfiltered conversation today. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin. Even though we discuss certain medical conditions such as autism and ADHD, we are not medical professionals and cannot offer any medical advice. And this is not a diagnostic tool. This is a tool to be used in terms of your education and to gain support and clarity. But please don't take any medical advice from this. If you do have any concerns, please go and speak to your GP. Also, please note, we are all neurodiverse, so you're going to get a lot of talking over each other, we're going to swear a little bit, and sometimes we're going to forget what we're saying mid-sentence, and that's okay. This is a female-based platform that aims to empower the voices of women who often, especially within the neurodivergent community, tend to be lost. As we are all females, we are all born females, we can only give our lived experience as females. But obviously, regardless of gender, you are welcome here, as this aims to be an inclusive space. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We don't have chairs. I don't know if you know the history of Oscar had quite a serious head injury when he was a baby in a high on a chair, but in like a travel high chair. Yeah. So it was a travel high chair on a chair, and we were at Brendan's parents' house in France. And I, he was about nine months old and he was like a round ball. He was like proper chops. Yeah. And we sat him in, clipped him in. And then I was doing something literally just behind him. And he went like that and he put his feet on the table and pushed. And because this farm chair was so old, it was like really heavy. It was like wood, like yeah. really heavy, tall. And it literally just pulled him back. And he hit the back of his head on a concrete floor. He's unconscious for about an hour. Oh and we put him in. Um... Oh, I've just been tagged by Sea Life London. Just came. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we put him in the car. He was like proper. Like when I've, I, a lot of it is in slow motion. But when I picked him up, literally his eyes were going like round. And I was like, he's not all right. We didn't know where the hospital was, so I. Literally, I was carrying him. Brent got in the car. I thought we were going to die on the way there because he was driving like such a nutter. All the kids were screaming. Halfway through the journey, Oscar woke up, took a massive breath and was literally sick all over everyone. I've never been so happy in my life because I had my fingers on his pulse because I thought he'd broken his neck or something. He then went back out. And when we got to the hospital, he was such a fat baby. Literally, he was round by my ankles. I couldn't even carry him. He was so heavy. We got in the door and I was like, he's hit his head like they were. In, it, it was in France. I was like, he's hit his head like someone speak English. Got someone to me else, and then they they put him on an EEG machine straight away. Like literally, we went in the door. There were no triage. We went in the door to the side straight away, and they were like, it. We feel he's got like really bad concussion, but he will be all right. Like he was awake by then, throwing up all of that. 
and I noticed at the on the back of his head he he had like a, a kind of reddish purple like horseshoe shape and they were like that's the back of the chair if you can imagine like those oh strips on the back of the chair they were like mm. thank god he didn't hit his head on the floor he's mm. hit his head on the on wood the of mm. the chair because it could have been like you can get hairline fractures from yeah. hitting your head that hard um and we had to we were advised um so he was like kept in hospital all day they locked me out of the room they wouldn't let me in there with him like doctors kept going in and out and I could see him in the cot he was doing that he'd rip the telephone off the wall I thought he's all right <laughs> he was like going mad. um but um they kept him like all day charged us loads of money and then we came home and they were like do not go anywhere like for more than like 20 minutes. Don't take long car journeys in the car because then that will encourage him to sleep. Yeah. You need to mm -hmm. keep him up and keep him moving. Mm -hmm. And um, he had like a period of concussion. Oh, bless him. But yeah, that was, that was pretty, pretty bad. But we do not have chairs. Because he... Because one, like, I don't know, actually, it mirrors the story of the little boy in EastEnders, doesn't it? Because that baby in EastEnders fell out of a high chair when he was a baby. And now in the story, he's developed, like, he's got an autism diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But it was investigated as head injury, which is very similar to Oscar. Because until this year, we didn't know if Oscar had head injury or not, as well as autism. Mm -hmm. um, so we, as a rule... I mean, I'm sitting on a chair in here, but as a rule, we do not have chairs. I have two leather benches, high back leather benches. Thank and God. if you're sitting, you have to sit on your bottom. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really firm rule of mine because children doing this on chairs is terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. and I've seen... got, though. It might be worth, like, as, I know obviously I, I understand your strict rule and I'd be exactly the same. But um, if you ever did want chairs, the ones that we've got, they can't tip up. They're like, yeah, so we've, got, we've got the leather bench. I think we got it from Next. And then we've got mm -hmm. the matching two chairs. But the way the legs are and the way it is, it's more like, it's like an armchair in a way. It's weird. Yeah. It can't tip over physically. But it's really interesting about the head injury. And I'd be interested to learn more about that because Remy had a really bad head injury when she was about nine months old. We were on holiday. And when we got on the plane to come back home, I'd given her to our godmother. She didn't really, she weren't really, I don't know if she weren't paying attention. She didn't realise that she was in charge of her, if that makes sense. And Remy was on the chair. And I think with just the rushing to get the bags in the overhead and so on, Remy was missed for a second and she fell and head first on, you know, the rails you get between the seats and the airplane, landed head first mm -hmm. on one of the metal rails. And, um, she cried obviously at the time and I was like absolutely mortified and the, the staff gave us ice and so on. And I was frantically searching up um, what to look out for and so on. And she didn't have any, any, any symptoms after, other than crying initially, she was totally fine after she's had a little bit of a, of a bruise. Um, but now I'm like, could it have been something more? Could it have been a hairline? For, I mean, I don't know how these things obviously work, but if you look at Remy now, we've noticed recently that you can you can start to see where she hit her head still there's like a very very slight mark there and mm. it's um it's making me wonder obviously I don't know I believe that you know her neurodiverse divergent conditions are just from our bloodline you know we're some family yeah, yeah I questioned this really? yeah I questioned it because 
American football players and boxers can sometimes develop traits of autism later on in life through head injury. Um, mm. So obviously it is part of their bloodline and all the rest of it. However, um, Oscar also has quite a severe learning disability. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to know. But he didn't have any red on the brain for the, for the MRI, which is brain injury. Uh -huh. But he did have lots of blue, which is neurodivergence. So um, you uh -huh. don't know, but brain injury shows up very clearly in an MRI. And he didn't have that. But they weren't necessarily looking for it. I think they got what they were looking for, which was autism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do worry about, I do wonder with him about his, um, because his autism diagnosis, it sits very, very separately from the rest of the stuff that goes on. Yeah. Yeah. With him. His, his lack of understanding, his reaction, his mm -hmm. understanding of the world. It's not an autistic understanding of the world. It's a very complex understanding of the world. And I do think it is about the learning disability element of him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And whether or not that is brain injury or not, it still presents in the same way, doesn't it? It's delayed. It's not completely yeah. as it should be. Yeah. Um, and, there, and there are limits to his levels of learning because it doesn't matter how much you adjust. There are some things that he just cannot fathom or get over. It doesn't matter what effort you put in. He does not understand that. Yeah. Like safety, he does not understand that he cannot open the door of my log burner because it's dangerous and he would do this is why I don't have it on because he would do that he would burn himself and then the next day he would do it again yeah I yeah. do wonder so, but isn't it interesting to go through affects them like that yeah. yeah because with Tommy and it is a I will be very careful what I say because it is a very controversial topic but mm. Tommy was very very unwell at eight weeks old um I don't for one minute believe vaccinations cause autism um, but Tommy was severely poorly. He wouldn't wake up. The only way I can describe it, and I've got pictures, it looked like he'd been hit across the top of the head with a baseball bat. His fontanelle had completely sunken in. And he wow. was unresponsive and unconscious and unrousable. And he was rushed into recess. They still don't know why. They reckon he was one of the unlucky ones to react in a certain way. But he'd been cannulated. He had heel Test. he didn't wake up for two and a half hours in recess no matter what they did he would not rouse and that's terrifying I'm, I'm autistic so it makes sense that he's autistic if that makes sense and yeah. it is genetic but I think with his struggles obviously like no two autistic people the same I didn't have the same struggles that Tommy has when I was Tommy's age but how much of what happened to him and what he went through has contributed mm -hmm. to that and when I've tried to bring that up I've been very quickly shut down as an anti-vaxxer Tommy is up to date with his vaccines but I do think there was a period I don't I don't know how to explain it I didn't know he was unwell I knew he was generally unwell I just had a gut feeling that I had to get him out the travel cot and when I did he was floppy He'd gone blue around his lips, his fingers, the tips of his fingers were blue. Um, and I called an ambulance and they took him in as a life-threatening event. And I think, mm -hmm. although he was, they said he wasn't starved of oxygen, 
but you don't know how that affects. Mm -hmm. uh, and also that sounds like an immune response. It was, yeah. So that's what's on his, this is the problem we've got on his hospital records. It says that it was um, a severe reaction due to weakened immune system, which they've tied back to the EDS. Yeah. But the mm -hmm. GP won't have it because the GP has stated that all children are meant to react like that after that particular... But if, if someone did a study on Tommy and his DNA and Remy and, and your boys and, and Oscar and they did a study, an individual study, um, yeah, then they would have more of a say. But I think to generalise, you know, do not tell me that my son falling off a chair hasn't affected his learning because you don't know that because you have no... Exactly. Don't say that Remy's fall on her head has nothing to do with it because you, you're assuming it hasn't, but you haven't mm -hmm. looked. Don't assume that Tommy's life event where he was starved of oxygen hasn't affected his learning, regardless of mm -hmm. whether he's autistic or not, because you don't know that because no. you haven't looked. Exactly. And this is the problem I think that autistic people in general face, which is adults and children, a lot of things are hidden under the labels that you have already got they'll just go mm. let's just say yeah. that that's that yeah they don't like not looking into it you know i have oh sorry no go no go go yeah no i was just gonna say that you guys have raised really important facts really with so in regards to the fact, I think the government are very scared of people becoming anti-vaxxers because they believe that people are scared that vaccines cause conditions like autism. But that's mm -hmm. a really, like, it's such a broad topic that it's not just as straightforward an answer as that. My belief no. is that you have conditions like autism where they affect us in certain ways and there's, we're, you know, there's loads plenty of us in society but then I think that there's also then comorbid conditions that mm -hmm. go outside a condition like autism which then affect you know all different people in different ways so for example if we say for example we've all got autism but then a child like Oscar who's had a head injury a child um who has like Tommy who's had certain reactions to things um I think that it's important to acknowledge the fact that these comorbid conditions are then impacting how our children react to the world, how our children, mm -hmm. you know, have certain... Um, but just the way that our, our children all are individually with their challenges and so on, mm -hmm. it's not just because it's autism and, and, you know, the autism has been caused by a vaccine or whatever. I think that there are then other comorbid conditions that go alongside the autism but because yeah. they give our children additional diagnosis and it's all just put under autism that's where the confusion comes yeah. but as said if yeah i agree to, you know do uh, certain studies and actually take the time to assess our children without just pushing us away mm -hmm. this would be seen more um mm -hmm. so when i was speaking and it made me lose my train of thought but uh, i've got a philosophy on it i think that there's absolutely no argument. You know, we all know that vaccinating saves lives. Yeah, vaccinations save people's mm -hmm. lives. However, that does not mean that vaccinations do not cause complications for people that have got other stuff going on and there's not yeah. enough concentration on that. Yeah. But like this week, um, 
like last year in January, um, we got quite a lot of very big diagnosis for Oscar after eight years of trying. Um, so he was given a really woolly diagnosis of autism at two and everything was late. Everything was thrown under that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's his autism. Ah, that's his autism. And I'm like, it isn't. Yeah, it is not. It is not just autism. I'm around autistic kids all the time. They don't, you know, these mums have not got the angry one. Yeah, <laughs> like these kids are overtaking Oscar in so many different areas. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, but it's because it's a spectrum. And I'm like, it is not just autism, right? So I kept going on, going on. So last January, Oscar was given a diagnosis of severely autistic with learning disability, um, severely ADHD, um, ARFID eating disorder, a high anxiety, all of this, yeah? And when we got the report, it was really overwhelming because there's a lot to digest and I'm still not digested all of it. Mm -hmm. So then we had to redo his DLA claim. We had to redo his EHCP. We've had to redo everything, yeah? But even, like, that was a year ago. And this week, I had to get the forms out for Oscar's buggy application. So I was reading it, and I said to my husband, did you know that Oscar's dyspraxic? And he went, no. And I was like, it's written there that Oscar's got dyspraxia. Mm -hmm. Now... That is something that's always been on my radar for Oscar, but yeah. because everything else was so much louder. But actually, if you pull that out for him and what being dyspraxic means and how it affects mm-hmm. him, it really gave me mum guilt because I'm like, he should probably be getting a little bit of OT or something mm-hmm. to help him with that. You know, he can't hold a pen. He hasn't learned to write yet. His balance is really bad. His proprioception is all over the place. He won't sit on a swing. He won't sit on a ride on. He doesn't mm. like anything that's motion. He doesn't like his feet yeah. off the ground. All of that stuff. He can't eat the knife. Well, he doesn't eat anything that you need a knife and fork for. <laughs> but if he did, he wouldn't be able to use a knife and fork. His, even his playing with Play-Doh, it's very toddler-like. You know, he's using these. He's not really using these, Yeah. Um, you know, painting, it's very like that. He draws using um mm-hmm. a it's thing. like Caleb, he still does it like that, yeah. And I just think if he was autistic and dyspraxic and that was all that was going on for him, that plan would be solid and you'd have a really mm-hmm. and because there's so much other stuff going on for him, and I think the NHS places limits on people. I think if you've got too much Definitely. going on, they're happy to just go, oh, yeah, that's part of that. It's part of yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not part of that, is it? Because it's it's something in its own right that affects him. So, um, yeah, I wonder how many other parents have read a report and gone, oh, God, I didn't know that he had that. <laughs> well, I um, this is maybe me. Um, so when Caleb got his diagnosis, his autism diagnosis, um, I just thought that his global development de- delay was just gone. <laughs> I thought that that just changes to autism. Which is really naive of me and silly when I think back now, but actually, global development delay is its own yeah. diagnosis, right? Like a child can still be autistic and have GDD, and he does. He has GDD as well. I do think he has um, dyspraxia because he still bless him likes to write. I mean, he does really well, but he can he does it like that, um, and just like other things. But getting them to listen, like when we still speak to the pediatrician now, all she talks to us about is how he eats. Is he still sleeping really bad? And how's his bowels? And that is literally the whole conversation. She doesn't really want to hear anything else. And when I've tried to bring it up, it's like, 
oh it's just you know oh autism, you down, autism, you? autism. Yeah. and you feel you feel silly then because you're like am I just reading up into this is it just the autism am I being too pushy because you and this is me being probably the way I shouldn't be but I'm like always thinking am I just trying to get all their labels for him which is so bad I shouldn't be saying that because I shouldn't I'm anti that anyway like I'm all for getting all your diagnosis but you they make you feel like you're not allowed to express that you are worried that they have other things as well and it, it makes me question his future um you know Roman obviously Roman's the whole of a kellerfish and he still isn't officially diagnosed yet we're on the Access pathway, woohoo! That you know, three year wait, wait. Um, still haven't heard back from them. They put in before Christmas. We probably won't hear for another year. Um, but he's seen the educational psychologist who has said he has the pathological demand avoidance profile. Um, he didn't put autism because obviously he can't diagnose that, but he said he has that profile. Um, and again, it's so hard. Like I don't, I don't even think they diagnose. In a lot of places around here, either all over the country, I think that's another diagnosis that is so difficult to get. Um, I think though, that, they put everyone as autism high need. They'll just do that rather than giving yeah. them their individual diagnosis. Oh, he's autistic with a high need. Well, yeah, there are other conditions, and that they, I feel like they're trying to do it because I feel like they are hopefully meaning well but they don't realize they're actually causing more damage because then there mm-hmm. then there is this ignorance and this negative view on conditions like autism or view on things like vaccines and so on where really if they were to be a little bit more open and assist people better than they are there would be a better understanding mm-hmm. that actually these are all single conditions that often overlap but it mm-hmm. is just everybody's autistic and either you know you have this higher need and you have all of these other things you know so when you actually have all these other things that could potentially be going on it's mm-hmm. nothing really and kids aren't getting they don't, they don't away, help like, then. they don't no. get the help then because it's like with tommy we finally got him under ot now and i do feel like we've won the jackpot and i don't mean that in i feel in it because i feel like i'm rubbing it in you have well the jackpot, Dan. She's got an autistic child and she's very knowledgeable about EDS. And she said to me, because she's like, why don't you think Tommy can do this? And I'm like, well, because he's autistic, this is why he struggles. And she said, why do you think it's just the autism? I'm like, well, that's what the paediatrician's told me. That's what this person's told me. They've all said it is the ASD. And she said, yes, but he's autistic. He's got developmental delays. He's got EDS. And he's got sensory issues. So some bits he won't be able to do because of the autism. Some bits are because of the EDS. Some bits are because of the situation he's in and it's too overwhelming. Some bits are sensory. And she said, we need to unpick those. And I thought, for the first time, speaking to professionals, it's the first time somebody has looked at Tommy as a whole and said, these are all the issues he has. Uh What bits relate to what bits, if that makes sense, rather than just saying, oh, well, he's autistic, which is what we've had in the past with OT. Oh, well, he's autistic. Of course he's going to struggle. Nothing yeah. we can do. Nothing when they the whole person, him. haven't yeah. they? have seen all of him. They viewed him as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And what I love about you, Corinne, is you, you know, for Roman, the facts are there's a 20% higher chance that he is autistic because he has an autistic sibling. Yeah. 
and for and that's with that without me and his dad as well yeah right, but <laughs> for hugo if if your first two children are autistic for yeah. hugo that goes up to 32 is it 30 total okay. yeah yeah. But what I'm saying is because obviously you've got autistic parents, you're probably looking at a 30 to 50 percent chance. Yeah. But what I love about you is you're going, oh, well, he'll be on the pathway for that to be seen as him individually in two to three years. You're not running along and self-diagnosing him with anything like a lot of people do. You're saying, no, I'm going to fight for the right to his fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not labeling him. Um, can I just say. I think, um, because I obviously do have a trouble with quite a lot of medical labels, as do you guys as well. I do think that labels work in a medical model. Yes. Yeah? yeah. They don't work in a social model of disability, no. but they do work in a medical model of uh, disability. And I can tell you why I would not be getting the support and help with Oscar unless he had them labels. I wouldn't. Exactly. I fought for eight years to get him seen at the neuroscience center yes. evelina london and i got him there and the appointment was a full mot we were in there five or six hours he was the only person that was seen on mm -hmm. that day and he came out with three or four different diagnoses because he was seen as him and he had a fair assessment he had a fair shot at someone unpacking everything and going right this is oscar let's unpick all of this and some mm -hmm. of the questions he asked i hadn't even thought about and then they go away and he comes back and he has his deliberations and he goes, I think that this and this and this is that part. And that, and then it all comes together and it looks like this. And that's Oscar as an individual and how his neuroscience is working, which yeah. they wouldn't do. I mean, yes, it was on the NHS, but they wouldn't do that in regular practice because they don't have five or six hours to study. My child, no. so they don't have the knowledge. Yeah. They have the let's just call it autism or let's just call it this or let, let's mm -hmm. just call it that. So in the medical model, all of them labels are great. But in social, in the social model, they're not great because then you become the label and you become not an individual. Mm -hmm. I really do think that fair assessment is a really hot topic at the moment on paper for paper assessments, but also in medicine. You know, like if you run today and you went, oh, you know, he's developed a really, you know, a problematic thing with X, Y, Z or whatever it is. They go, oh, that's just his autism. And you're like, mm -hmm. no. Actually, it isn't. No, it's mm -hmm. not. So I do think that um, it's really, really important that you don't self-diagnose um, mm -hmm. your kids because what you're basically saying is, oh, because he is, oh, I'm just going to say you are as well then because, because mm -hmm. then they're not individuals then. Mm -hmm. are they like how do you know you roman might not he might just have a really complex adhd mm -hmm. or a different kind <laughs> you mm -hmm. know you don't you don't know but i do think that the kids are um it's just such a shame in it that we live in broken mm -hmm. britain mm -hmm. where um they just think that a simple label of autism is enough for you to just go away and get on with it like i was told in the lockdown by a really overconfident doctor um, that loads of parents have kids with autism and they don't medicate them at all. So why don't I just go and get on with it? Wow. How ignorant. We have time for today on the Unfiltered podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe as it helps us get seen. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Unfiltered Her. 
And you can also join our Patreon. Our Patreon is £5 a month. And in that, you get exclusive blogs, podcasts, bonus episodes, and Q&As with us all. All the links for those are in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And remember that... The her is no longer silent. Thank you for listening and make sure to like and subscribe.